Welcome to This Was Our Youth. This is a 90s pop culture podcast. I am Matthew Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And today we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The show that ran from 1997 to 2003 that was created by Josh Whedon and starred Sarah Michelle Gellar. So before we talk about the show, let's talk about the movie that inspired the show. (laughs) Right. So the 1992 film called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, starring uh, Christy Swanson and Luke Luke Perry. Perry, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's it. So did you watch that movie before you saw the show? Oh, yes. So uh, while I... My history with the show is a little bit different, but um, I I saw the movie when it came out. Um, I thought for its time and its its concept, it was really cool. Um, I think the show... I know know that the show's... uh, the, the feel of the show was a little bit more what Joss's uh, original vision for the movie was, and then it sort of became, um, you know, mucho campy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, so and... I do have a little history about the movie that okay. I dug up. So this is per IMDb. Um, so the original script by Joss Whedon was heavily rewritten in this movie to make it quote-unquote lighter. In the original script, Buffy burns down the school gym while the dance is being held. In an effort to destroy vampires in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, this fact is referred to several times as the series is seen as a spin off the original, unproduced screenplay rather than the movie. Right. Screenwriter Joss Whedon was so frustrated by how much of his vision was being mishandled and how much of it was being rewritten that he eventually left the set during production and never came back. This summer, Luke Perry meets the girl of his dreams. You're not like other girls. Yes, I am. They're going to walk in the moonlight, dance under the stars, and kick some vampire butt. I didn't even break a nail. Christy Swanson and Luke Perry. Sounds toasty. In the sun's most delicious love story, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am so sure. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, July 31st at theaters everywhere. Wow. Um, so apparently, you know, so Joss Whedon is the son of Tom Whedon, who is a producer, producer of the Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's how he got his leg up in Hollywood, but come on. I mean, nepo- right. <laughs> nepotism is a thing. I mean, we know that getting into writings ro- writing rooms, uh, you know, when you don't have the, the connections or hookup is, is pretty hard. Right. So Joss Whedon's first professional job was actually on Roseanne. Oh, right. That he was a staff writer, I believe, for seasons two and three, maybe longer. And I believe that I read in an interview that he was credited with some of the more darker storylines of that time. That oh. he, I think he pitched the Jackie abuse storyline. Oh, wow. I think he pitched the Darlene going through a depression mm. storyline. So this was his first film. And yeah, it's it's not a bad movie but it's not a great movie. it was very early 90s in mm-hmm. in feel you know and i think that maybe part of the 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 idea of of really um taking advantage of a bunch of 90s stereotypes uh kind of drew it towards that more campy light-hearted uh rendition i mean yeah i definitely feel i i saw it the last time i saw it was maybe a couple years ago on cable I didn't rewatch it for this podcast for several reasons. One is that it's not good. Two is that Christy Swanson has become a very big MAGA oh, right. Donald uh. Trump person, and I just can't deal with those people anymore. It's, it's not a great movie, and you don't really need to have seen 
the movie to understand the show. My history with the movie is that it came out in theaters. I remember seeing the advertisements. I didn't see it in theaters because I was probably about in second or third grade. Okay. But I did see it on home video. I remember renting it from the local blockbuster or local hometown. We are hardcore aging ourselves now. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> did you get it's, it from family video? No, I think family. This this was pre this pre was a, family video. This was a pre family video time in our nation's history. Probably one of those local mom and pop video stores that also was trying to sell pizza too before they started. <laughs> for for, for strangers, Stranger Things uh, fans out there, um, fun fact: uh, like Steve uh, in in Stranger Things, I too once worked in a oh, family yeah. video. <laughs> so I guess Stranger Things was around in the eighties because yeah. that's on. Stranger Things. Well, we didn't get it into our metropolitan area of <laughs> Mahoning County, Ohio, um, until the early aughts. We were behind on everything. So my the place that I rented it from was probably one of those mom and pop video shops that also okay. was trying to sell pizza. Oh, like in a giant eagle? No, in a like, oh, like brick and mortar storefront okay. where they would have their own like pizza place. Like it's a smart business model if it's 1992 and you just really want to go for it. But where you, <laughs> you're renting out videotapes, but also selling pizzas. So the idea is a family comes in and they're doing like takeout dinner and a movie. But usually the pizza was crap. Yeah. Am I speaking another language? You're acting like you never heard of this before. I, okay, maybe this wasn't like a Youngstown or... Uh, well, I, I was more in Trumbull County than Mahoning when yeah. I was growing up. So, But I don't... I don't. So in like terms it. of Northeast Ohio, I grew up in the Malibu, and John was like in the sticks of... I, I mean, in, in fairness, like, Cortland is the, uh, is the Canfield of uh, Trumbull County, so, you know... Guys, this is a podcast where we talk about the geographic economics of Northeast Ohio. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> about Buffy, um, sure. I so I did see it in the theaters, uh, the original movie. I'm fairly sure. I'm fairly sure, and I I wouldn't have been much older than than you. Went to, I would have been. You just, saw it in the theaters. I'm pretty sure okay. that my dad took me to see that. I mean, it was a PG-13, so it's yeah. It wasn't. It, it was more high kid. Like there was no blood really. Mm-hmm. Um, there there it had Pee Wee Herman as I recall. Yeah, Paul Rubens was Paul one Rubens, of the vampires. One of the main vampires, mm-hmm. and he tripled the camp factor instantly. Um, well, isn't there a joke where he gets staked through the heart and he, it just takes forever to he die? Does the, he does the Peter... And uh, then over the credits, it's just him like, ooh, ooh yeah. <laughs> ah, he was doing the... Uh, before it's time, he was pulling a family guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I rented it eventually, and I just... It was one of those movies, it was like, eh, it's fine. And I remember, it, I feel like it was rerun on, like, the USA Network or... like it was It was a cable network, so... A cable network staple so it was part of the movies that you would see on tv when you're flipping through on a saturday afternoon and it's raining and it's either this or a league of their own or some random <laughs> oh, yeah choose a league of their own <laughs> it's a better movie uh so then later so here's my history with the show how it okay. leads into it is that we used to subscribe to TV Guide, or I subscribed to TV Guide. I had a TV what? Guide subscription in my name because I was into pop culture, and 30 years later, I, this is actually paying off for me. Because now, I, yes, yes, now I is. literally get paid to write you, about this stuff. About pop culture, yes, sir. <laughs> so in the fall, it would be the fall fall preview like of all the new shows that are going to oh, be it was like they're they're big they're the, the big one the big the, it was big thick, TV but guy. in the spring you would get the spring tv 
preview because there were shows that were called mid-season replacements Mm -hmm. where instead of a full order of like 23 episodes these would start in like january and only be like half a season were you guys like a nielsen family we were no actually my parents were (laughs) a nielsen family like in the 70s oh okay where they had to log their shows in a notebook oh my goodness and then you actually mailed it that is some old school market research right there there you go uh so I remember getting the spring TV guide preview and seeing that there was a show being called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. I remember the movie and I thought, this seems like the stupidest idea ever. <laughs> and you thought it was going to be like the film. Yeah, yeah, but I remember the promo shot that they used in the advertisement was Buffy, Cordelia, and Willow. Probably in like this Rolling Stones, like GQ pose where they're all in lingerie on a pool table. Wow. It was very sexualized. So I'm like... I can't tell whether this is a show or this is some sort of softcore pornography <laughs> based on this movie. It, it seemed weird, but you know what? Either way, I'm in. <laughs> Either way, Tuesday <laughs> like, night at 8. Like, I'll give it a try. Either way. And I remember watching the pilot and I loved the show. So I was hooked from then, um, henceforth, and watched the show all throughout high school and college. And we'll get into it. Why? This show was so influential for me, but at the time, I was the only person that I knew who was actively watching the show. This was not a popular show amongst my peers because my peers were getting ready for their future careers as alcoholic Republicans, whereas <laughs> I was consuming um, high culture. I'm on a roll today, yeah, folks. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the five <laughs> listeners who listeners are either riled up or about to um, angry Instagram. I, just, I, I totally feel like we need like a, a, a Maury track or something. Yeah. Like whenever you have a zinger, be like, Maury, Maury. I also just something. had a small blue moon <laughs> at the Olive Garden. So I'll blame <laughs> So you're flying high okay there we go so love the show everyone else in high school thought it was stupid or just didn't watch or thought i was ridiculous for watching it so like a lot of the other topics we brought up in this podcast you were ahead of your like time. every time to- like every <laughs> episode that we've done i was ahead of my time but then i time. feel like in college then a lot of my peers caught up to the show because then the it dvds a- came out okay everyone was, was watching it in college i remember mm-hmm. i remember that it yeah was, so it was did very- you so that's my history. We'll get into the show more often. But sure. Did you watch it in its first run? Uh, I watched it. So I, I think I'm pretty sure we talked about this a little bit on another podcast, but I watched the pilot. I loved the pilot. And what really stands out in my mind, like a very clear memory, was um, that was the first time I'd seen any sort of technology uh, like the like the dusting of a vampire. I thought that mm-hmm. that was the the way they had that look uh, in the first episode to me in my memory is like she stakes him and then he turns into sparks. That's you know like dust. Yeah, right? and I did read from Draft Sweden. The reason that they do that is because when he was writing the script, he had a problem structurally as a writer that. If Buffy is going around staking vampires, there is a problem like, what is she going to do with the bodies? Right. But if they instantaneously turn to dust, and their clothes do too, which oh, makes right. so much sense, whatever, <laughs> then it's it, it solves a writing problem. Right. But it, but it is a cool image. I Yeah, I thought that was awesome. And I feel like I watched, so I watched the pilot, and then... So I think I've talked in other podcasts about my lack of um, certain types of cable or whatever uh, growing up. We we had cable, then we didn't have cable. It was, you know, it was all sorts of things. Did um, you get shut off? Uh, no. But yeah, anyway, um, there, the show made a, a 
switch from I want to say the WB mm-hmm. to UPN. UPN. Uh, UPN? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it was on WB for seasons one through five. And then six and seven were UPN because so, of contracts and okay. business. And... I think I followed it pretty regularly until it eventually, I either lost cable after like season one or two or something, couldn't watch it, or I lost it when they made the switch. Well, I what happened remember. for me, I actually, there was a year and a half where there was a dearth of Buffy and Mahoning County. Oh, because okay. our cable provider took away WB. That may be we what I'm remembering. So, okay, I totally... In our network, because we... So, in the late 90s, gather up a chair, young. I'm going <laughs> to tell you a story of what it was like in the late 90s. What is this voice? This is B. Arthur on uh, meth. I, uh, <laughs> I was like, um, you're, going, you're going for like a grandpa thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to stay with it. I, I love... It's like, um... Okay. <laughs> it's on that. So, before they were streaming... Before right. you could just watch anything anywhere. There was no such thing as cutting the cable back, cutting either, the cord. You either had rabbit ears or you had cable, and there was only one cable option. I guess some people who were bougie had satellites, but oh, we weren't going to have no satellite. Not our house. Direct TV was a thing. I My parents have it now. That's but a they satellite did, thing. They did not have it back then. But basically is that our cable provider took away WB for like a year and a half, so I missed seasons two and half a season three as they were airing and then by season four it came back so i missed season one of dawson creek and like oh, seasons two and three of buffy what so did i did you do without dawson's no, creek well I... I could watch buffy because i had a pair of i had <laughs> now i know i'm sounding more bougie but as a christmas gift one year in high school, we got cable installed in my bedroom <laughs> so oh my that gosh. I could, which sounds like nothing today, but like in the 90s, did you have it was your a own deal. phone line too? I did not. Oh, okay. I did not. I, <laughs> I asked for that one time because there was a full house episode where DJ got her own oh phone line. I feel like I'm at least as worthy as a human being as Candace Cameron as... Beret, and I would argue more so. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I think your mom ba- would agree. <laughs> based on her politics. Uh, this is MSNBC. <laughs> we're just going. If, 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 CNN, if you're listening. Do you want to just can... talk about the January 6th hearings? Uh, do you want to just well, yeah, let's, just, let's just jump into straight hardcore politics. Uh, uh, but, but I think. But no, no, no. I, I had a point with this story is that I had cable, but I also had a pair of rabbit ears. Yeah. And the rabbit ears would pick up the WB from the Cleveland affiliate. Oh, Because okay. we didn't have like a local. You know how we had like a local CBS, a local NBC mm-hmm. who would broadcast? So if you had rabbit ears. You could get those stations crystal clear. But my rabbit ears were picking up the WB all the way from Cleveland. So I could watch Buzz Buffy, but it was a little scrambled and pornographically. Okay. Um, but, but by... <laughs> so basically, for those who um, are fans of the Avengers, Buffy at one point in our particular neck of the woods had a blip. Uh, it was gone for like a year and a half. It so was. This is, so what happened... Now, I'm remembering as you talk about it, I was with the show... The blip happened, mm-hmm. and then I forgot about the show, mm-hmm. and I didn't come back to it. Yeah. I believe until you and I started hanging out, and I think you, I think I may have watched it with you in your dorm room a little bit, along oh, with okay. Moulin Rouge and a bunch of other stuff. And then, of course, I became uh, an addict of the show, uh, super fan. And um, well, yeah. then it wasn't reruns to FX. The FX network picked it up, so you could uh, rewatch all your Buffy, and then the DVDs came out. So that's our history with show. I guess so to tie into what we were originally talking about the movie, Joss Whedon says that the movie is a standalone 
and that any events, characters, or character traits in the movie should not be referred to as canon for the TV series of the same name. So basically, they're, they're two separate entities. Two and the, universes? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, two universes. So the Buffy TV show exists separately from the movie, and it's inspired by the movie. And I think, I actually used to argue with certain fans of the show who think okay. that they're the same thing, but they are not, for a couple reasons. One is that in the movie, Buffy is a senior during the events, and when the show picks up, she's a sophomore. So they right. can't do the same. And the sticking point of the pilot is that Buffy has been expelled from her previous school because she burned down the auditorium because there were vampires in there. Um, but that those events did not happen in the movie. Okay. That was in his original script that she wanted her to burn down the movie, but then the studio interfered. So, so there are two different things. So I guess the next topic we can pivot to is like, what is it about the show that's so good that captivated you originally? Okay, so I mean, I think we watched two episodes, rewatched two episodes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into those. So for, we watched two of our favorites, but in general, like what? What is it about the show that you think makes it good? I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, when you're... So this was the, the late 90s, um, you know, and I'm, I'm very proud of uh, some of the progress that the LGBTQ community has made um, over the years in terms of acceptance, in terms of marriage, in terms of a bunch of things. Um, but in, in the 90s, I distinctly remember um, being uh, in the closet and being gay was not cool. And I think what I like... What I like now, especially, I mean, I was into the show for a ton of reasons. It, it's a very, um, you know, it, it ticks a lot of my geeky boxes. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of martial arts, a lot of fighting, a lot of weapons, a lot of swordplay, a um, lot of mythology. I really loved the deep storytelling of the show. But I think what really um, stuck with me all the years was... Um, you know, Buffy was kind of in the closet as a as a slayer for much of the shows, you know, for many for a number of the seasons. And even then, like this, this idea of being a slayer, um, there's a lot of allusions to that and like one's own personal relationship with their their sexuality, like um, not being able to talk about it or, um, you know, having living one life, you know, uh, that that everyone sees and then you know having to keep so much of yourself hidden um and and that's not just the the idea behind her being a slayer but there's a lot of episodes that actually touch on this being othered and uh being isolated and fighting these battles alone and, and finding your own community and friends so i i think those are the things that really stuck with me um and i thought the um relationship between um tara and willow uh was one of the first times i had seen that sort of young uh romantic uh same-sex relationship on tv uh so i think i thought that was pretty groundbreaking um and yeah that that was it for me yeah so you've definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of you know the show's not can be an allegory for a lot of things and i think you can definitely use you know being closeted lgbt as an allegory i think for me one of the many reasons why this show was so special is that i related to buffy not because i was also beautiful blonde <laughs> and a cheerleader and you totally are though but... i became that but you know <laughs> so buffy is an outsider buffy like you said she has a secret identity um it always it always buffy always wants to be part of the mainstream but she can't so buffy is basically a nerd and mm. she finds these this community of nerds and uh 
I hope you can't hear our dog eating our bone. He's eating it very loudly. Um, <laughs> that's just kind of a through line of the show. But in terms of Buffy, it, it's all about high school being a metaphor for hell. And I'm stealing that from Joss Whedon because right. one of the things he said, you know, a lot of people feel that middle school, high school is living hell. For Buffy, high school literally is <laughs> right. living hell because it's on top of a portal to hell. So all of these episodes about monsters and demons and witches and dark magic are a, very much a metaphor for, I think, the universal experience of being young and dealing with adolescence. And I was someone who, not to get into my whole history, be, because it's really not that special. A lot of people struggle with depression, with weight issues, with sexual issues, with being on the out. Every I think a lot of people feel like they were on the outside in high school, and I certainly was. But Buffy was fighting, you know, demons on the show and i felt like i was fighting a lot of demons oh, so watching yeah. buffy win you know you kind of feel like you win as well so and what i love about the show is that the show acknowledges that yes buffy has this job to slay demons but buffy's also a teenager too and you watch buffy deal with the typical teenage problems and a lot of the times the teenage problems are more stressful than the demons <laughs> that right. she's dealing with you know, sometimes it's like slaying the, the monster is the easy thing, but relating to your single mother is right. a lot more a struggle, or your new boyfriend, or your friends. And I, Buffy, she's always a loner towards the end. Um, she really has to, re she has her friends, but sometimes she's on the outside with her. She can't even, you know, relate to, well, you know, Willie, because, Willow right. can connect to school, Xander can be you know a goofball zone right you know and buffy has this calling that and it's kind of her her th at the end of the day it's it's hers and hers it's alone. her responsibility well, to yeah. deal with you know she has friends she has a community but she has these struggles that she has to overcome and i think a lot of people feel like they have you know struggles that they are dealing with as well that they have to work through i don't know it's is also, this is this interesting well, i feel like all, i've talked in circles it's, well, it's for a also it's also how like you know, the show doesn't make her job look easy, right? You know, she's in these constant battles with, especially when she's facing, quote unquote, the big bads in every season. You know, these these entities and bad guys that are way, way, way more powerful. And I think it speaks to what you said earlier. You know, if she can do it, if, you know, she, she has superpowers, but, um, you know, she's still very much a human, you know, very much vulnerable and, um, you know, several times uh, didn't survive the encounter and still, you know, came back somehow stronger and somehow saved, you know, always managed to save the day, um, you know. And, and I think they also, something that Buffy as a character, I think, touches on really well is this, you know, going back to the first season or even, even the pilot, is it the, no, the first season when she's facing the master, um, you know, all she wants to do is go to prom. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, all she wants to do is go to this dance and she you just see the look in her face when she realizes she has to go face this life or death thing like in her dress. You know, it's it just there's so much of that in the show and there's so much of that that is relatable in each of our lives. It's like, well, you know, crap, I have this, you know, ailing parent or, you know, something like that. And you're just trying to live your life. But, you know, there's always the hits keep coming, you know, but you still keep pushing on through. Mm hmm. Yeah, there, there's. I could talk about this for hours, but <laughs> I'm going to move us forward because in preparation for this podcast episode, we we would love to rewatch the whole show and <laughs> I would love to go through each episode one at a time. We don't have time. So we rewatched 
one of your favorite episodes. Yes. And one of my favorites, which these two episodes are definitely in the top five. If you Google mm-hmm. best episodes of Buffy, these mm-hmm. two episodes are going to come up. The first one we rewatched that I want to talk about is Becoming Part Two. Oh, yeah. So this is the season finale of season two. And I picked this episode for a lot of reasons. I think this episode really shows, especially in the high school years, the best of what Buffy is all about. It's So the basic plot of this episode, this is the second of two part, is that Angel has transformed into Angelus. He wants to end the world. <laughs> he has just murdered uh, a fellow Slayer, one mm-hmm. of Buffy's friends, and He's basically going to hatch this plot to unleash a demon, to open up hell, and the world, it's an apocalypse. Yeah. Buffy has to stop an apocalypse. But the stakes are so high in Buffy. She's still in high school at this point. She's dealing with high school. She's about to get expelled from high school because they think she killed this girl, which she didn't. She's on the outs with her mother because her mother finally finds out what she's a slayer. She's on the outs with her boyfriend because the first boy that she slept with turns evil and now she is literally going to have to kill him right to save the world so this is uh toward the first performance from sarah michelle geller she has to juggle all of these emotions and you know the stakes quote unquote couldn't be higher (laughs) and this one is just a fantastic episode altogether and spoilers at the end, um, and also her her friends are going through a lot too because this is the first episode where Willow discovers magic, mm. which will impact the rest of the show <laughs> absolutely forever. And we, so we see that in her. We see a really shitty side of Xander because Xander is supposed to relay a message that oh. they're going to try to grant his soul back, and Buffy's supposed to know this, so maybe she doesn't murder him, right? Um, but he doesn't tell her this and that's going to impact things for seasons long but at the end of this episode buffy has to literally kill her boyfriend to stop an apocalypse and the weight of that will carry through so it's a very emotional episode i think it's really regret and i think it's an allegory for for so much you know when you're young and everything seems like the end of the world and everything is the end of the world mm-hmm. right here. But I don't know. So what did you think about this episode? I mean, I thought that I thought the acting performances were pretty incredible. Um, I think David uh, Boreanaz was also uh, really good in, in this, in this whole mm-hmm. season. Um, you get, well, he has to play two parts, right? He plays Angel and Angelus who are two completely different characters. Angel the vampire with a soul and Angelus the vampire uh, without, you know, the demon, the demon, right on destruction. So, yeah, it's um, but the moment when uh, that that spell puts his soul back in his body and you can see the entire look Mm -hmm. on his face change and she knows that that spell was cast and she and she sees the portal opening up behind him and you know and needing to uh tell telling him to close his eyes and then step thrusting a a blade through him and then pushing him into the portal um you know effectively throwing her own boyfriend into hell uh to save the world it's like um it was just a really powerful moment yeah and uh and i believe this episode i'm looking up now is an emmy winner oh yeah one for uh Best music. The music oh, that they okay. played, that piano underscore, which was very beautiful. So that one, 
an Emmy for Best Musical Composition for a Drama Series. Wow. Um, I also, yeah, I love I love that moment. I think it's very powerful. I love that you get to see Buffy fight with a sword against oh, yeah. Angel. I think. Oh, in that moment when he's about to stab her in the face and she catches it. Oh my god. So yeah, so yeah, he's holding, he's pointing a sword at her and it's a great line. It's like, <laughs> poor Buffy, no friends, no family, no watcher, what do you have left? And he thrusts the point sword in her face and she stops it with her bare hands with a clap and she yep. says me and then she <laughs> thrust it so the hilt hits him on the head oh, so and that's cool. the metaphor for the show like she has herself yeah like, absolutely you know yeah she has to make this journey alone but and back to allegory a... that's that's it for all of us at the end mm-hmm. of the day you have you you know keep fighting yeah and i think that's why we we love buffy yeah she goes through <laughs> so much in the show but she doesn't she, she doesn't break. I mean, mm-hmm. but also, like, you totally get why after this episode she moves to LA for a little bit because that's that this is all craziness. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of the show. If we, let's work a little. Actually, that's a no. Buffy on her own, no parents, no boyfriend, right. no yeah. So I, I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote that speech down. Uh, this episode also has a really touching moment. Going back to what you were saying before about coming out allegory, this is the episode where Buffy finally tells her mom that she's a vampire slayer, which Joyce, come on, she Joyce has seen vampires. And, Joyce and has she, literally seen And seen in this moment, multiple, she watches one get dusted in front of her face. And it's still very clueless or in denial, but I love... Have you tried not being a vampire slayer? Oh, yeah, God. yeah, exactly. She can't accept it. And then I love Buffy's speech at the end where... She's like, you know what? I would love to be upstairs studying or talking about boys or doing homework, um, but I can't. I have to go save the world. This is my job. Um, <laughs> I have to go save the world again. Again. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, Joyce says her, have you ever you tried not being a slayer? Which is very it's allegorical. So allegorical. And then she gets kicked out of her house, oh, yeah. which is, oh my God. you know, something that happens to a lot of people to this day. Um, I did make a note. Note. Joyce equals useless because (laughs) after this point in the series, Joyce does get better as a character. She finally accepts her daughter. Um, But another great thing about this show is that, you know, Joyce is a single mom trying to raise her daughter the best she can. And there is a lot of that child single parent drama, which is very relatable. But then, you know, the child has the secret. And then. I think a lot of times, you know, again, kids kind of feel like they literally have to protect their parents. Mm-hmm. Or again, but Buffy literally has to protect. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, she is. I, I, I think, and again, there gets to a point in a lot of, I think, parent-child relationships where the child feels like they have to parent the parent. Right. You know, and, and you see, I think that happens at different ages, but yeah. for Buffy, that definitely happens at a young age. I, to, I love that Buffy calls Spike's girlfriend a, a big hoe. <laughs> Just hilarious. Uh, yeah, and also, we, we're, we're working backwards in this episode, but the whole episode starts with Buffy assaulting a police officer. Oh, right. And just kind of beating over the head that the Sunnydale police are completely useless. That is a in this uh, hip throw she uses. Yeah, that's right. She tosses her right on his back. Yeah. Um, so we watched that episode. We also rewatched an episode from season six. So we flash forward about four seasons to Once More with Feeling. Which the show is in a completely different spot. totally. And Once More with Feeling. Also, when the show aired, really, the country was in a different 
spot because I, I watched this live my freshman year of college. This was like October 2001. Oh, geez. So there was a... Guys, my first day of college was September 12, 2001. It oh, was... Oh, my God. Uh, we had to be uh, evacuated from our dorms several times because people thought there was anthrax in our building, oh, my God. which I was baking that. soda. It was... It was a lot. So this episode came along, and it, it was a good kind of welcome relief from a for, from a time when primetime TV was not was fun too much, yeah, to watch. But yeah, once more, the feeling is, of course, the musical episode, and it's really well written. The songs are fun, yeah, and catchy. I love that it just starts as a musical with no explanation. <laughs> like you don't figure out till maybe about ten, fifteen minutes in that the characters realize that them singing is weird it just yeah, starts even the, with a musical even the number. opening credits are are different mm-hmm. like they're, they're it's a more... throwback to like a hollywood yeah hollywood exactly and i have adam shankman was the choreographer i'm gonna google that because okay i should have done that before adam shankman okay but i think he is involved with uh hairspray yep oh okay yeah so basically he's a broadway the musical. dance numbers in this were incredible yeah he produced Hairspray, okay. Hocus Pocus 2, AJ and the Queen. Okay, I think, did he write the original Hairspray? Uh, I'll, I'll look into this later, but yeah. So it, basically <laughs> the show had a lot of talent behind it. I think this episode, I didn't, actually, I didn't make any notes for What's More the Feeling, because I think I was just enjoying I, well, it Well, yeah, we could so talk much. about this one upside down. So mm-hmm. a fun fact for our audience, uh, this... Um, this this episode contains a song that is actually me and Matt's song, and mm-hmm. it uh, we dance to it at our wedding, uh, Under Your Spell. Yeah, Under Your Spell, it's a song sung by Tara to Willow, and I think we decided that was our song. We were listening to the CD maybe in your car or my car. <laughs> yeah. Or sometime. In our, in, the old I, geotracker. Ah. Yeah, and then we had talked about how a lot of couples have songs, but we didn't have one, and we figured that, oh yeah, this could be our song because it's about a show that we love it's about magic it's about queer (laughs) love and then we actually danced to this at our literal wedding yeah so uh, this back in 2013 so that makes it my favorite episode all by itself right there but then if you factor in all the other things that are so this reminds me a lot of the you you mentioned how it doesn't really they don't really do any exposition here they they kind of jump right into the songs and you're kind of like what the heck it's almost it's actually a literal reversal of what i love about hush which is the episode Mm. uh i can't remember which season that's season four season when they're in college right Mm. so when they're in the college years and um they they wake up and no one is able to speak this is a total flip reversal of that where they they start the show and find themselves spontaneously singing uh, and then it turns out to be the sexiest demon I think I've seen uh, in the entire series. I'm pretty sure. Uh, like I can't remember the who's the actor's name. We're talking about the, uh, the demon. The, the musical. De- yeah, yeah. So the... I just pulled up. Um, his name's Sweet, but he's played by Hinton Battle. Okay. Who is a Broadway actor? Uh, he has won three Tony Awards, all in featured actor. I didn't realize he. I didn't know he won all those. Oh, that's cool. He was the first to portray the Scarecrow in the stage version of The Wiz. Oh, wow. Um, I saw him in Ragtime in Chicago. Oh, okay. So, But he's basically a, a musical theater person. 
and a, and a song and dance guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like his moves in this show were incredible, and also the fashion in this in this episode is really on point. It's very, well, it's uh, very early two thousands. It's very early two thousands. Very oversized, very baggy, very zoot suit. It had a lot of feel to that. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, a really, a really fun episode. Uh, the music really sticks with you. And I think that the producers really did a good job of, you know, everyone had to sing in this, even if they didn't really have singing voices. And I think they really did a good job catering, uh, even around people who were not singers. Okay. So Hinton Battle has won three Tonys for Sophisticated Lady, the Tap Dance Kid, and he was in the original Miss Saigon. Oh, wow. Playing the character John. Oh. Who I believe is like the owner of the bar or John isn't John the um the per oh J O H N no he's not the the main lead but isn't yeah. he one of the soldiers that helps save the kid or yes okay yes sure oh, okay. I, I I have <laughs> seen this I saw this musical with you <laughs> you saw it with um, me yes but yeah so musical theater actor um yeah this oh, what I... John sings Bedoy okay that was my audition for Amda that's how I remember that. <laughs> I think that's the engineer. No, Bodoy is uh, one of the one of the soldiers. Okay. Uh, okay. Take my, take my word for it. I, I will. <laughs> I literally only I saw the revival of Miss Saigon a couple years ago. I, it's it's all it's all a blur and a rich tapestry. I remember it because I got in. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, well, I was gonna say um, we we could talk so much about all the seasons, but uh, season six. Uh, Buffy, where once more a three line takes place, is mm-hmm. interesting season to me. That when I was watching it live, it wasn't my favorite because this is the season where Buffy literally comes back from the dead. Right, she dies in season five, sacrificing herself for her sister, but they resurrect her in season six. But Buffy is not happy to be back, and it actually season six is all about Buffy's depression, Willow's. Addiction to, to magic, magic and her breakup with Tara, oh, yeah. Xander, and uh, Anya getting ma- almost getting married, not getting married. Their relationship falls apart. So it's, I remember watching this season feeling like it was such a downer. Mm. And I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But I rewatched it in my late 20s, early 30s, once it all hit Netflix. And you could all stream it again. And I actually appreciated what they were doing because there is... There is a thing, at least in my life, that happened where you're in high school and you have this vision of what your life is going to be and you think it's all going to be perfect and easy. And then I think a lot of people struggle in their 20s. You know, then you can get out into the real world. You know, in the season, Buffy has to get a job. Her mom is dead. She has bills to pay. It's all this. And there was a lot of (laughs) there was a lot of negative fan reaction to the season because I think it was so down. And again, this was post 9-11 America. People were not feeling great. Um, but I think it does do an accurate job showing the ad- kind of the dis. I don't want to say that. Yeah, everyone Dis- has the disappointment of life or disappointment like, because yeah. we all have disappointments in our life. We all think that things are going to turn out one way, and it, it's not a not that everything's bad, but you you see the early twenties are your early twenties are hard. I don't you know when you're just adjusting to whether you. M- whether you went through college or whether you didn't, you know, going out into the workforce uh, for the first time. Um, usually underpaid because you don't have a lot of experience or whatever you know so you're yeah i don't know i just i i distinctly remember that time right before we moved to you know new york i mean it took like years for us to save up enough for that move because you know we we weren't born with silver spoons in our mouth um you know and the 20 in our early 20s it was that was hard to save that much right economically it's hard uh 
is also anyone who's ever dealt with any sort of depression right. or mental mental illness or anything again disillusionment with life that that season is an allegory for those type of struggles uh okay let's talk about something happier okay um, before we wrap up i do have a game which i did not create a game yeah so this did you, is did you go through this one to make sure i wasn't gonna ace everything like super instantly well there's no right or wrong answers <laughs> this is just simply the buzzfeed which buffy character are you i may or may not have taken this okay already, well we're both gonna take it simultaneously i love it but let's just say what what answer do you think you're gonna get okay oh the, i i think i just retook it until i got buffy or or i or um willow like so i would well that's say... called cheating what do you think you would get if you answered honestly? i think i would i think i would get buffy okay uh i think i would get probably willow or xander but let's see what type of student were you loner class clown athlete teacher's pet theater kid overachiever theater kid Okay, I guess I was too, even though I was rejected by my high school's theater program because yeah, it was then problematic. Yeah, but the Playhouse loved you. That's true. Okay, I don't. That's for another podcast. <laughs> when are you most productive? Morning, afternoon, night. Morning. What am? Mm, I don't want us to have the same answer. I think for me, afternoon. Okay. I get into a good afternoon group. Pick the best place to go on a date. Museum, the mall, a cemetery, a dance club, the movies, a restaurant. Hmm. Uh, let's do... Ooh, that's a tough one. I would say a restaurant. I was going to say a restaurant, too, because then you can I think can a cemetery talk. is kind of, like, a little on the nose. Hmm. I'll pick a restaurant, too. I would say the movies, but the movies, you can't really talk. Well, yeah, I gotta get to so, know each other. Yeah, But it is great to, if you're just trying to make out. That's convenient. But Sure. Hmm. What accessory would you... Never leave the house without. My coat, a hair tie, a bag to carry all my stuff, my phone, a water bottle, a snack. I would say... Oh, goodness. I would say my phone. I'm going to pick a bag to carry all my stuff. Because I feel like I always pack like a you mom bag. You always have bag. a mom bag. I always yeah. have to have an umbrella or <laughs> a water bottle or sunscreen. If I carried an umbrella, it would never rain. Which of these would be the most helpful ally? A vampire, a werewolf, a zombie? I would say a vampire. I'm going to pick a werewolf because a vampire you can't bring out in the daylight. Oh, I guess so you're right. So if you could train a werewolf, I feel like a zombie would just be useless. Well, yeah, I'd try to attack you, probably. Probably. Which of these books are you most inter... <laughs> interesting in reading it okay. should be interested this is a fan-made quiz <laughs> i can tell as someone who works for buzzfeed um on a freelance basis the, <laughs> there you this go. was not for uh which of these books are you most interested in reading pride and prejudice the hobbit 1984 the wizard of oz wuthering heights war and peace i don't even need to think about this the hobbit I'm going to pick pride and prejudice because i'm literally reading it right, right now. now yeah so even though it's not my favorite thing I've read. I'm, I did pick to read that. Is that the one with Darcy? It is. <laughs> Which of these fictional weapons is most useful? Okay. Thor's hammer, King Arthur's sword, Hermione Granger's wand, the one ring, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, Wolverine's claws. That's a good question. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. I think 
Ooh, I'm going to go with Thor's hammer in this case. I am going to pick Hermione Granger's wand. I thought about because that. Because I feel like with magic, you could probably create... Do anything, yeah. Sure. But what about lightning and stuff, uh, so... Well, we'd be equally a match, maybe. <laughs> Do you usually make a good first impression? Yes, no, sometimes. Um, well, I, if we base that on my, your first impression of me, uh, that'd probably be a no. No, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, yes, yes, I make a good first impression. Uh, I think I do too. Yes, I think I'm pretty. Do. I was. In I love think I first I, I've cultivated a good phony exterior oh. that I can finally <laughs> pick one song to be your personal anthem. Toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. 15 by Taylor Swift, Fighter by Christina Aguilera, Juice by Lizzo, <laughs> Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. I think I have to go with Juice, juice by yeah. Lizzo. Yeah, it's all about your juice. So who did you get? Oh, you're Giles. Oh, I can, oh. I, I'm good with that, actually. I, I wouldn't have picked that, but it says you are extremely sensible and rational, which might make you feel like you're the only adult in the room. <laughs> oh, okay. But under that mild-mannered exterior is a really big heart. The people who get to know you are also lucky to hear your witty one-liners, which you usually mutter under your breath. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not inaccurate. Yeah, uh, um, okay. I, um, I would say, I asked myself the other day, like, when we were talking about doing this podcast, I was like, what character did I find most attractive in this? And I, without a, a David Boreanaz came right up there, uh, but Giles could always get it. He was, he was, he was a snack. No, he was I, a snack. I was thinking, yeah, he, I was, that's how you know you're getting older, is that... <laughs> When you're young, you're like the younger character. It's like, oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Xander, they're hot. But I'm like, you know what? For a man of his age, <laughs> Giles can get it. Has yeah. held it. Has and, held it together. And, and his career is stronger and, than pretty much everyone. And he's so. smart. And yeah, yeah. If I were middle aged and single, like, yeah, I just want to sit at home on Saturday night and sit brandy and like talk about the Bronte sisters. It was also the first books. time I heard him sing in Once More a Feeling. That oh, yeah, was he. The, I think in real life he was like in a rock band. Or, oh, okay. Well, the character. That he played Ripper was like kind of like this eighties punk rock dude. Punk. Yeah, I had to finish mine. Finish your quiz. <laughs> Wait, is my personal anthem? I guess Boulevard <laughs> of Broken Dreams. Like right. these are all kind of weird songs. You know, it's Juice by Lizzo. No, <laughs> that's it, all about alcoholism. <laughs> I'm just going to do Green Day. Let's see who I get. Oh, I'm Willow. Oh, yeah, Willow. That's so. That's your quiet exterior hides a spunky personality. And you're not afraid to match, to march to the beat of your own drum. Emotionally, you're more perceptive than most people, which makes anyone feel comfortable to be around you. Okay, I mean, those are both good answers, Willow and Giles. I'll she's, take them. And she's also, like, probably the mightiest, uh, aside from being the Slayer, when she, goes, when she goes full power, she's the most dangerous person in the show. So Sure, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so any final thoughts about Buffy before we wrap this up? No, I'm glad that we got to uh, deep dive this series again. Um, I think I think for both of us, uh, I, yeah, I, I definitely speak for myself, but I think for both of us, the show had major impacts uh, culturally for us. Uh, you know, in uh, you know when we were when we when did it when did it go off air? I can't 2003. remember. Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we watched the last two seasons, I think, together. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. When, when we had time, you know, this was before DVR. This was before Hulu. So I think we were both busy with you know school and work and stuff. theater and all the stuff we were doing so i 
don't think we got to watch all of it, but I think we did watch it together when we could. When but it was like a, it was like allowed. a big, it was like a big part of our, uh, you know, early years together. So I, I do think remember it fondly. Like I said, it was uh, a, a piece of our wedding too. So that's kind of amazing. I, it has a mm-hmm. special. It definitely has a special place in my heart. And I think that people who like Buffy tend to get along with people who like Buffy. So I've literally, yeah. like, I've cultivated friendships around other people that yeah, like if Buffy. Yeah, that's the thing for me. <laughs> if I am at a party or at a new social situation, I meet someone and they are either hardcore fans of Buffy and or the Golden Girls. Like, I know <laughs> we can, we, like... There's at least a starting We can place. relate. The we, ice is yes, broken. We will be, <laughs> at the very least, superficial friends. Like, yes. we have some sort of common ground but i feel like yeah you do find that with people like people who are super into buffy are usually 99 percent of the time really cool individuals like right. okay if you really like buffy like i can i can jive with you yeah absolutely exactly. and if you want to jive with us <laughs> online you can find us both on instagram and facebook at this was our youth podcast or you can send us an email at this was our youth at gmail.com um, please, if you have a moment, please subscribe, rate, and review to us on whatever p- platform that you are listening to this on now. In particular, a five-star review and rating on Apple really helps with us with our visibility. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Matthew Pullman, and there is a link to my other work, Ooh, um, my BuzzFeed yes. articles and my theater work. Um, where can people find your individual well, page? I'm at... Uh, You're on Instagram, I'm too. on Instagram. You can search Jonathan Emerson. Uh, it's I think it's Jemerson. Uh, with or a, J with Emerson. J mm-hmm. Emerson with an with the, instead of an S, it's like a five. I'm pretty sure, well, or that might be my Twitter. That's fine. If you go to my page, you'll eventually yeah, end up on Yeah, you Jones. can find me if you if you if you search Jonathan Emerson. I'm on Insta. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok now. We are everywhere. Matt and I have a lot of stuff coming uh, down the pike. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have another article coming out soon for BuzzFeed. Uh, we're about I can't, to launch I, I a can't, cooking show. Yeah, I can't talk yeah. about that article until it's um, coming out. It should be out in the next week or two. Um, so please, uh, you can find that. Just, yeah, stay on the Instagram page <laughs> where I will keep you updated. Um, and in the meantime, stay, stay rad! rad.